Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. It will be immediately obvious to you that I am suffering the consequences of the fall. <clears throat> That's right. The, uh, the, the microscopic germ uh, that leads to the human body not feeling good mm-hmm, has somehow invaded my body. So I appreciate your prayers. Thank you for your prayers yesterday. You're going to get this um, very husky Mornings with Cartman voice. So I hope you like it. Uh, this is what we got. This is what God has given us to work with. So we're going to work with it. So today is the 20th of December, 2023. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. With everything else going on, it may have slipped past you. It it just may have slipped past you that today is officially Go Caroling Day. That's right. That's right. So if you were to visit my house and sing your favorite Christmas carol, what would it be? If I were to visit your house and sing my favorite Christmas carol, well, my favorite Christmas carol is Oh Holy Night, but I don't know that I would subject you to me singing that. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a grace involved in knowing what song to sing when you're caroling, especially if you're out there acapella and you really want to bless people. So just because it's your favorite, if it's hard to sing or you can't remember, remember all the words, then maybe pick something easier to sing. <laughs> so what would be in your caroling repertoire? Silent Night, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, O Come All Ye Faithful, O Come, O Come Emmanuel, Joy to the World, The First Noel, Away in a Manger. What would be in your caroling repertoire on this officially Go Caroling Day? You can text me, 877-933-2484. My guess is it's something other than one of the handful of carols that I listed. My guess is that you have a favorite carol that... um is meaningful to you for a particular reason. It's a song that leads you to the manger throne of Jesus in a way that um, is transformative and makes Christmas Christmas. So I'm excited to hear from you on the text line, 877-933-2484. If you'd be so gracious as to include your first name and maybe the town, if that's convenient for you today, I'd love to know who is texting and, um, and where you are. There you go. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. So Joseph, Joseph, you will remember, is the man who is, whose betrothed, Mary, is now heavy with child, <clears throat> a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this is that Joseph. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. No room, not no room in the inn. We have added that in over time. 
There was no room for them in the Cataluma, which is the guest room. Everybody's guest rooms were already full, so they were um, offered space in a living room, the front room of the house. The front room of the house would be adjacent to the room where the animals were brought in at night, and therefore there would have been a manger at the end of the family room leading down into the you know half a step lower. Um, you and I would think of it as like a garage where the animals um, were, were kept at night. The heat from the animals heats the home, um, and obviously bringing them in is, uh, is going to offer them protection. So how much do you think you know about Joseph? How much? I mean, you know that he's a carpenter, right? You know that he's engaged to Mary, right? How much more do you know about him? I have a friend named Howard Eddington who calls Joseph the forgotten man of Christmas. Um, and so I thought today we would not fail to remember Joseph. So Joseph is, um, is the recipient of four dreams, and they are all recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1, 20 and 21, where Joseph is told not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because um, the child conceived in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. The second dream is recorded in Matthew two thirteen, where Joseph is warned to leave Bethlehem and flee with his little family to Egypt. The third dream is recorded in Matthew 2, 19 and 20. While in Egypt, Joseph is told it is now safe to go back to Israel because there's been a, cha- there's been a regime change. Between those two events, we have the slaughter of the innocents. All the little boys under the age two and under in Bethlehem lose their life um, for the sake of Jesus. Those are probably the first martyrs. The fourth dream comes in Matthew 2.22. Because Joseph had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee instead of going to Judea. So let's ponder the particulars for just a minute here. The angel um, offers these commands in the name of God. Joseph is paying attention not because these are dreams and not because this is an angel, but because these commands are spoken to him by the angel in a dream in the name of God, the Supreme Lord. Um, It's interesting to me that God does not deliver these commands to Mary. Why Why does he command Joseph? I think it's an affirmation of Joseph's role as the head of this little family. I think it's an affirmation of God's um, entrusting, God's calling forth Joseph to shepherd and steward the life of Mary and Jesus. It's interesting to me that the angel appeared to him while he was asleep. Have you thought about the fact that God is God even when you're sleeping? Yes, I mean, this time of year, we, uh, we act as if Santa Claus knows when we're sleeping and knows when we're awake. Um, knows if we've been bad or good. But actually, that's God. God knows when we're sleeping and when we're awake. And God's sovereignty is um, in no way diminished when we're sleeping. God is at work when you are asleep, and you can rest in that. You can rest, you can rest in that. Um, God tells uh, Joseph through the voice of the angel to take the child and his mother. He doesn't mention anything else. That's worth pondering. That's worth noting. Joseph um, is not to concern himself with everything he's left behind at home or all the people he's left behind in his hometown. He's not to concern himself with his business. There's no time to go back and get things in order. Um, 
It doesn't really matter what your plans are. Someone will take care of your animals and your house and your parents. Jesus and Mary shall be your only concern. Think about that for just a moment. Is Jesus your only concern? And then finally, God assigns them the place of their banishment. You don't get to choose where God leads you. But you do choose whether or not to follow in obedience. And Joseph? (laughs) Joseph was quick to respond each and every time. God sent an angel to speak to him in a dream. So let's not uh, forget Joseph this Christmas. Our friend Daryl Crouch is going to join us next. We're going to talk about the holy scandal of Christmas. We, we tend to think of Christmas as such a wonderful and great thing, but it's totally scandalous. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, our friend Daryl Crouch is back. Merry Christmas, friend. Carmen, it's great to hear from you. I, you're, uh, you sound like you're struggling through it, so um, I hope today is a great day. Thank you. Thank you. I officially spent um, every every optional hour yesterday in bed. Every single one. Wow. Wow. Every hour that I wasn't officially required to be doing something else, I stayed in bed. There you go. Yeah. Well, that might be a good plan every day, Carmen. I don't know. That might... That might... <laughs> I don't know. All those gifts that need that that I imagine need to be wrapped and that guest room that needs to be um prepared for uh you know family coming the end of the week. <clears throat> I might need to, you know. But but you know what? God knows, right? God God yeah, knows. He, He's I've made my plans, but I'm going to just walk in his way. He knows. Tell us about He knows. Okay, so tell us about um what you have written in terms of the holy scandal of Christmas. How is it that Christmas is a scandal. Well, sometimes we uh, think, uh, first of all, thank you. It's it's always great to be here and talk about things that um, I'm excited about. So I, I appreciate your interest and hopefully it'll be encouragement to your listeners. And uh, sometimes we think about uh, our theology in, in such a high and and holy way. And we should, uh, obviously, the the wonder of of what God has done in Christ and how he loves us and yet um, we're such sinners and in need of a savior, yet he loves us so perfectly. And uh, there, there's so much wonder in all that. <clears throat> but sometimes um, we feel like our theology then must <clears throat> separate us from people who most need it. And and the contention is if if we think that our if 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 we think that our theology move, should move us away from people rather than to people, we've we've missed the whole point of of who God is and what he's done in Christ. And certainly uh, we've missed the point of Christmas. And um, we think of Christmas, and again, we can uh, exaggerate this a little, but um, of, you know, a snow globe kind of Hallmark Christmas. But for Jesus, this was, this, this was D-Day. I mean, this was uh, his invasion, the invasion of a holy God on a land that was Otherwise peaceful, but yet occupied by an enemy uh, who had every intention of destroying us. There, there's nothing about the enemy that was going to allow his occupation will never allow us to live in peace. There may be a um, a a, um, a, a, a what, well, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there may be the the perception of peace for a minute. There, there may be a civility for a moment. 
but the enemy wants to destroy us, to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus came to earth and invaded that to push back darkness, to crush Satan, uh, to reconcile us to a holy God. And he did that by coming near to us, not by staying away. And so my contention is in the incarnation, this this Jesus putting on flesh, he not only put on flesh, but he dwelt among us. He got in there with us. And um, sometimes we we feel like if we're going to be faithful to God, we have to separate ourselves from the people who most need the grace of God. And um, Jesus didn't do that. He came near and he... Um, he dwelt among us in ways that are incredibly profound that theologians have been grappling about and arguing over just all the ramifications and how it happened and how it was possible uh, spiritually and phil- philosophically and theologically and in all the rest. But at the end of the day, we know Jesus, the f- full, fully God and fully man dwelt among us. And so um, my hope is that that Christmas would remind us to wade in, and just as the just as God sent Jesus, Jesus has sent us, and uh, we are ambassadors for Christ in um, in a foreign territory, but with people who God loves and who are in desperate need of a Savior. A couple observations. Um, first of all, thank you, and it occurs to me that God often brings the opportunity to us. We don't we don't even necessarily have to go out there looking for it. I'm thinking of a grandma listening right now who you know whose granddaughter is um 11 weeks pregnant. And that was certainly not something that anyone had expected or planned, but that grandma is stepping in in a in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Um I'm thinking about um a friend named Jake who spent enough time you know, on the battlefield in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, that um, his soul wound is real. And he still struggles with that. It's been, it's, it's been more than a decade. Mm. Um, and so I don't necessarily, I want people to recognize that um, you don't really have to go looking very far. Mm. God, God has probably brought someone into your life um, who needs the incarnate, Jesus. They need they need God with some flesh on this Christmas. They need hope to draw near. They need love to draw near. They need light um, to shine in the darkness in which they are presently walking. So we're going to continue our conversation with our friend Daryl Crouch here in just a moment. He serves with an organization called Everyone's Wilson. You can check that out at everyoneswilson.org. Today, we're looking at a piece on his Substack. So that is DarylCrouch.substack.com, and that is the holy scandal of Christmas. How do we engage without compromising our faith? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You've heard it said that it only takes a spark to get a fire going. You've also heard it sung, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Well, what about hope? What about hope? What does it take to get hope sparked? And what does it take to get hope moving around the world. I got a hope hat. I got a hope shirt. I got a hope bumper sticker. I know a ministry of hope. I know people who need hope. But how do we actually give hope beyond bumper stickers and theme songs and ball caps? 
How do we help other people discover the hope that is real, substantial, and enduring? My guess is one reason you listen to this podcast is, well, it delivers hope. So as you're thinking about giving gifts this Christmas, have you considered giving others the gift of hope? You can give hope this season by supporting Faith Radio's Give Hope for Christmas campaign by sharing your story of hope at MyFaithRadio.com because hope begets hope. Pass it on. Our friend Daryl Crouch is here from Everyone's Wilson. If you and your church and your community are interested in um, actively engaging in gospel ministry together, really pressing into the social concerns in your own community, the pattern of what they're doing at Everyone's Wilson is something that you can repeat. You can pray with them. You can talk with them about how to do in your community what they're doing in their community. I would commend that um, to you. Let's continue, Daryl, our conversation about the holy scandal of Christmas. I think that one of the concerns that people raise is, well, I might compromise my faith. So can you tell us how we compromise our faith, and therefore we will understand how not to compromise our faith? It's really good. We're often worried about that, and there's good reason to be. There is, a, there is a, I think, in another conversation, we could talk about the doctrinal drift that um, many uh, churches and many Christians and evangelicals uh, may be vulnerable to. We're all vulnerable to that. So I would never suggest that theological compromise is a way to reach your neighbors. Uh, not at all. Uh, but one way that we can compromise, uh, and maybe we do, is in the area of, of orthopraxy. Uh, orthodoxy is certainly the, you know, the the faith once for all delivered to the saints. But the way that we live that out, some people would call that orthopraxy. And um, w- if if we separate ourselves from our neighbors because we don't affirm their their choices or their lifestyle, um, we're we're really denying we're really denying another aspect of of our calling in Christ to be as you just mentioned before the break incarnational to the people who need Jesus the most and certainly we should be separate in this in the sense that we uh, don't affirm sin and we don't adopt sinful habits and we don't affirm a wayward doctrines or denying the Bible or its teachings in any way, but we can also be negligent and be disobedient to God if we separate ourselves from people who need us the most. And and some of that, and to your point before the break, um, we're not suggesting that you go out and start a new business or start a new nonprofit or start a new program necessarily. You can do all those things. But it's simply about paying attention to the people right in front of you and and asking good questions and engaging with them without some sense of shock or awe that they're sinners and that they're in bondage to sin and somehow uh, become aghast by the, the 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 habits that they've adopted in their life and and then uh, use that as a, as a weapon against them or an, in the very least as a reason not to associate with them. We, Jesus sat and broke bread with sinners, and certainly he was judged for that. But um, our calling is to do very much the same. And so if our lifestyle doesn't doesn't invite and make room uh, for people who don't believe like we do, we've We've, in essence, denied the faith. We've, in essence, um, disobeyed the Great Commission, uh, for that matter, and the Great Commandment. And so um, I also fear sometimes that our churches 
have become fairly irrelevant because we're we're very idealistic, which there's some great things about that, but not super pragmatic in the sense of what does it take to actually engage with the culture? And sometimes, Carmen, I think when people like us talk about public engagement, most people think, well, that means we go to the ballot box and we vote, and that's our public engagement. I I would love to turn it a little bit to suggest that we we should be public integrationist and that we should uh, integrate our lives and our churches even should structure themselves to to encourage people and equip our our people to integrate into the culture to embed our lives into the places where people live we do that in some sense anyway with going to work or playing our kids are playing on the local ball team or whatever but to to do that with intentionality to say who has god put around me what sphere of influence do i live in now not do i have to create something new but where has god put me now and how can i integrate in such a way not to affirm not to affirm sin or bad doctrine but um, to affirm people and to to love people well and to give open-handedly the grace of God that we've been given so generously from him. I want to make one other observation, and that is I am learning, I'm learning to not assume that the person who appears to me living in a way that is completely contrary to um the character and the ways of God, to not, to, I assume they don't know the gospel. I assume they haven't heard the gospel. Yeah. And I find out, I find that's really often not true. They, they haven't met Jesus in terms of the transforming power of a person who came to love them and came to offer himself as a redeeming sacrifice for them. Mm. But they have often um, received a track. They have often you know, heard someone um, articulate uh, the Roman the Romans road, um, and so I I find it helpful to ask questions before I make assumptions about how much or how little somebody knows um, about wow. Jesus. That is so good, Carmen, and it's so important. I was with a, a, a person earlier this week in a long conversation. He's a very he's becoming a very good friend. Um, he's in a very influential seat in, in our community, but uh, he has given great amount of thought to things of th- theological and um, he uh, people and he's thought through his his understanding of God and spirituality in ways that I've just never considered. I, I mean, I've just not he, he has a perspective that I've not. And um, while I'm praying for him um, that that he he would know Christ and. I was just very impressed with his thoughtfulness and his his interest and his engagement in these issues in ways that I'd never considered and and asking good questions, sincere questions, and taking the time to listen and uh, cultivating that relationship over time um, is so important. If we just find out we disagree with people and then we move on to the next person, uh, that's just not you know, it's it, it's just not incarnational at all. It's transactional at that point. And um, I think if we can be patient with people as the Lord has been patient with us, and uh, like you say, ask good questions, lean in 
to those objectionable things that we hear from them and just not in a judgment way, but in a, in a curiosity way, if we can be genuinely curious, um, I think the Lord uses that, um, to convey love and grace and to keep the conversation going so that they can receive the gospel. And, uh, most of us had to hear the gospel a few hundred or a thousand times before we received it. Not ever. That's not the case all the time, but, but um, the Lord is patient, and we should be as well. Mm. Thank you so much. Daryl, um, thank you for being with us throughout the year. Thank you in advance for the conversations that we'll have, um, bringing the gospel to life and helping us put feet on our faith in the community in the year to come. We, uh, we have, I mean, I recognize it's all up to God, but we've made our plans, and, um, and we'll ask God to direct our steps in it. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a joy, Carmen. I'm so honored to be on with you uh, regularly and, and uh, hopefully speak some encouragement in to your listeners. And um, thank you for what you're doing and carrying the baton for us and uh, being so faithful in this work. And I, I pray you have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful new year. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday I asked you guys for um, some of your, maybe it's two days ago now, Paul, was it two days ago that we asked for um, prayer requests for Christmas miracles? I think it was two days ago. Yeah. So I've been praying for you um, as you have asked and um, just looking forward to the way God is going to answer prayer in each life. Um, The prayers for sons and daughters, the prayers for physical healing, the prayers for relational healing, the prayers for um, financial stress, the prayers for particular um, challenges that you're facing physically. Thank you um, for those Christmas miracle prayer requests. I have a list. I'm praying over them. um, And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be praying for the Christmas miracle right? The Christmas miracle that others who are listening right now need. Um, we're a community of, of believers here. And um, I see all of your prayers for me today for my physical healing. Um, and I genuinely appreciate that. I have shared with you that I've got a friend um, whose family, they just specifically ask, like, God knows that we need a Christmas miracle and God knows what it is. And that inspired me then to ask you, you know, what, what is the Christmas miracle that you really need? And giving us the privilege of lifting that up for one another. And so if you missed out on the opportunity to lift up your, hey, this is, this is the Christmas miracle I need or my family needs or a person who I know, this is the Christmas miracle they really need, you can always text me, 877-933-2484. You can also post your prayer requests uh, online at myfaithradio.com. There's a place there for you um, anytime anytime to uh, share your prayer request with us. And we count it an absolute privilege to be praying for you. And we count on your prayers for us, and we know you are praying for us. So thank you. Um, Our friend Mark Terman from the Denison Forum is going to join us next. We're going to talk a little bit about Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm -hmm. Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. How many different versions of The Christmas Carol have you already watched this Christmas season? Do you have a favorite? Is it The Muppets? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, is it the one, um, well, you could tell me. Maybe you have, because there's so many. There's so many versions of the Christmas Carol out there. We're going um, to unpack 
The Incarnation, Miracles of Christmas, by looking at Ebenezer Scrooge. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Mark Terman. He's executive director of the Denison Forum. You can find what we're talking about today at denisonforum.org. Good morning, Mark. Good morning and Merry Christmas, Carmen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, do you have a favorite version of the Christmas Carol? Yes, I was just talking about that with Paul a minute ago. Um, a couple of years ago, I caught on Christmas Eve uh, the reading of the story in original form by James Earl Jones and Martin Sheen. And mm. uh, they also had a choir backing them up uh, through mm. parts of the story, but just such powerful uh, voice acting and so well read. And just, uh, it was just like kids sitting around the fire listening to a very powerful expression of the story. Just loved every minute of it. That is so cool. That's so cool. All right. So our friend Jim Dennison has a piece at uh, DennisonForum.org on this topic of Ebenezer Scrooge and the two incarnation miracles of Christmas. I'm wondering if you'll just walk us through this because I thought it was so good. Yeah, just an excellent uh, reflection on Christmas through Charles Dickens' work and uh, uh, a beautiful expression of Charles Dickens' own story. one of the things that we learned from the article is that Dickens wrote a Christmas carol uh, really in a time of desperation. If you read more about him personally, he was uh, financially struggling when he wrote this story and had no idea it would become this popular. But in 1843, uh, he published the story right before Christmas, uh, but it was based on some of his own experience. His father uh, had been thrown into debtor's prison, and at the age of 12, Charles himself was put into a factory as a child worker and not only experienced poverty and, uh, you know, somewhat in a, what we would call an oppression of children in a work setting, but he saw that in the lives of other children as well. And that experience of poverty marked him for the rest of his life and really gave rise to a lot of things in his writings and particularly is expressed in this story of A Christmas Carol. But out of that, uh, Dr. Dennison gleans two connections to the biblical story as well, one of those being uh, just the incredible incarnation of Jesus himself. Uh, when you really think about it, Jesus, as Dr. Dennison writes, is the only person who got to choose his parents. He got to choose the place of his birth, choosing a stable rather than a palace, uh, which he could have chosen just a few miles away from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Uh, He could have chosen any royal person to be his parents, but he chose peasants uh, that no one would have recognized, no one would have paid much regard to uh, in Mary and Joseph. And he chose uh, every detail about his birth being in a stable rather than in any other kind of place. And and Jesus is the one that chooses the, the, the attendants. He sends the angels, but he also uses shepherds and just kind of goes from one end to the next, describing uh, how beautiful it is that Jesus was willing to become uh, one of us, as uh, one of the early church fathers says, so that we might be one with him and one with his father forever. Uh, The most powerful, the most universal, the most 
uh, incredible expression of God's love for us seen in the cross and that Jesus would be incarnate. He would be God with flesh on him. I remember when I was in school reading uh, one theologian who said that if you can uh, accept by faith the incarnation of Jesus, then everything else about Jesus becomes easier to believe. Uh, And that's just one of the amazing things about this story. And I love how Dr. Dennison includes in in this description uh, a line in a paragraph from C.S. Lewis. He said, if you're trying to comprehend what it was like for Jesus to become one of us, then imagine what it would be like if you started out as a slug or a crab. (laughs) And that's pretty powerful when you think about it. Um, So just the incarnation, Jesus becoming one of us uh, so that we could be with him for all of eternity through his sacrifice, which is really the, the second miracle, which is that Jesus came with the purpose of sacrificing himself as the righteous sacrifice for our sin. Uh, Carmen, I remember one church that I heard about had a motto that went something like this, nobody's perfect except Jesus, everybody's welcome, and anything is possible. And that's really what Christmas and the story of Jesus illustrate for us, that because of his love and his grace shown toward us, uh, that when we act in faith to believe in him, trust in him, and follow him, our sin is forgiven, and his death takes the place of our death and gives us the opportunity of eternal life, which is the ultimate story of Christmas. The the first miracle or the first incarnational miracle, this um, this reality that Christ became one of us, that we might be one with him. And then the second incarnational miracle of Christmas, that the Father and the Son love us so much that they conspired to pay the debt we owed so we could spend eternity in paradise. Christmas is um, intimately connected to the cross. Yeah, absolutely. I had a uh, one of my family members moved to the state of Alabama earlier this year. So this is his first Christmas living in that state. And uh, he was telling me that he was driving around his town looking at Christmas lights and that type of thing. And he was struck by the fact that no one was presenting a nativity scene in their Christmas presentation at their house, but instead they had crosses everywhere. And so mm. he asked one mm. of the neighbors, what was the reason for that? And the person was kind of just confused why he would even ask. And he was like, Christmas is all about the cross. And we don't usually think about it that way. We usually think about this quaint scene, you know, with our nativity scenes and with uh, the angels and the arrival of the shepherds and then the coming of the wise men. And we, we, we put a rather quaint kind of spin on it. Uh, But this community really had an insight, I think, in that, yes, we ought to be captured by the incarnation, but the the incarnation leads us directly to the cross and ultimately to the crown and the kingdom of Jesus, where he will reign forever and those who trust in him will have life with him. Yeah, talk a little bit about Jesus as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I mean, the, the song... You know, what child is this who laid to rest? I mean, who who is this, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Um, can you talk a little bit about Christ the King? Yeah, and that's the way Dr. Dennison ends this article uh, about Ebenezer Scrooge and the miracles that are revealed in that story 
leading us to Christ. Uh, one of the things Dr. Dennison and I share is a love for this Christmas hymn. Uh, it is my favorite, and I believe it's his favorite as well. What child is this who laid to rest? Just telling the story, asking the questions uh, that continue to just astound us. Who is this Jesus that would come for us in this way, that would become one of us, uh, inviting all of us to trust in him, to believe in him? Uh, it just astounds us and seems, uh, as, as sometimes people say, you know, the story of Jesus coming to pay for our sin is just too good to be true. Grace is too good to be true. And uh, even I have struggled with that at times, especially in my early days of faith. Uh, would have conversations with a lot of people about the Christmas story, the story of Jesus going to the cross, the story of Jesus' resurrection, the story and the invitation of God that we can be forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future, when we believe in Jesus, just sounds too good to be true. And the way I've come to understand that is, is it is too good to be true, except if it comes from God. And because it comes from God, it is true. And it is the most incredible story of love, of sacrifice, of intentionality. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world were laid, God had this plan in mind. Not that he caused us to sin, but that he knew that we would sin and that there would need to be a way for us to be reconciled to him and to be able to return to him. And he planned for that in the expression of his love coming through Jesus. And that that's who this child is. That's who this king is. Not a king coming to oppress, not a king full of ego, not a king obsessed with power, but rather a king coming to use his power for the benefit of people who could not help themselves. So good. So good. So um, it's been a number of years ago now because my nephew Larry is now a sophomore in college. But when he was in the second grade, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And um, it was a devastating diagnosis, as you can imagine. And one of the things over the course of the next couple of years that Larry had the opportunity to do was engage um, with a foundation called Make-A-Wish. And um, Larry's Make-A-Wish... <clears throat> You know, remember, he was a second grader. He wanted to go and see where the Legos were made. And that meant that um, my sister and my brother-in-law and Larry and his sister Mia um, uh, went, went to the place that the tulips grow as well um, and had a wonderful, mm. wonderful experience. Um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation is making a huge difference in the lives of critically ill children. And um, one person now holds the record. For the most wishes granted, 650. This one individual has granted 650 Make-A-Wish wishes. We're going to talk about John Cena's next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. 
We're talking with our friend Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. Uh, Mark, there's a piece um, at denisonforum.org about John Cena. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, this is just really astounding for uh, John Cena as an actor and a wrestler, and people know him in those ways. But to, to find out that he uh, has has been a part of and has helped to grant more than 650 Make-A-Wish uh, dreams for children struggling with terminal uh, or serious illness. It's just really astounding when you realize that no one else uh, gets anywhere close to that number. And I love his spirit about this as uh, the article relates that Cena has said to the Make-A-Wish people, anytime you need me for anything, I will drop everything else and focus on this in order to help these children and their families. Uh, and he's been doing this for uh, more than 20 years and has just poured his life into helping children diagnosed with, with uh, critical illness. And uh, it just, you, you don't hear a lot about this in the news. He's not trying to be uh, a celebrity and gain attention from doing this. It's just, it's just really a reflection of his heart and becomes a challenge to all of us, really, to just find ways to be in that same spirit, which is really the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christ, which is to just give of ourselves sacrificially for uh, the needs and lives of others, because that's what Jesus did for us. Uh, I remember uh, when my pastor was preaching years ago out of the book of Matthew, he talked about that story of Jesus uh, coming and really indicting some people um, because they didn't give a cup of cold water. They didn't offer food to somebody that was hungry. They didn't go see somebody that was sick and in prison. And out of that message, he just said, you know what? Jesus is teaching us that what he wants us to do is he wants us to do little things for little people with little thought of reward. And that's really the spirit of Jesus. And that's the spirit that John Cena is demonstrating by helping these children and their families. And I think it really, really is a beautiful expression of what the Christmas story is all about, is how can we be in that same sacrificial spirit that has been shown to us in Jesus and in Christmas? Little things for little people with little thought to what I'm going to get out of it. Um, that is so good. I'm writing that down. Um, do little things for little people with little thought um, to how you're going to benefit or what difference it's going to make in your life. I, um, it won't surprise uh, you, Mark, as a, as a person who understands Make-A-Wish and probably has had lots of experiences with families who have had a child who have had a Make-A-Wish experience. Um, it does lead you, once your family has experienced it, it does lead you to have a real sense of gratitude for the organization. Um, and it, it, it makes me, it makes me want to have everybody who's listening right now think of one ministry that's made a difference in the life of your family. Could have been, I mean, in my case, it's, you know, Larry's, Larry's 20 now, uh, and he was in second grade. So it's a long time ago now that he benefited from Make-A-Wish, but I owe them a thank you note. I think I owe them a thank you note this Christmas. And maybe, um, Maybe I could inspire you as you're listening right now. What is an organization that blessed you or a member of your family somewhere along the way and you've never thanked them? Maybe it was a school teacher. Maybe it was um, somebody who 
paid your way for a scholarship to camp or so that you could participate in a mission trip. Maybe it was somebody who helped you um, get that right relationship um, in order that you could take a step forward or a step up or have an opportunity that otherwise would have uh, not been available to you. Is there a ministry out there? Maybe it's a crisis pregnancy center that helped you get to the place where you recognized that your baby was a baby. Um, so I want you to think today about the ministries that are out there that over the course of your life have blessed you or your family and send them a Christmas thank you card or email. They're super easy to find ministries online. And I guarantee you it would be, it would be a great gift to them this Christmas to hear from you and to hear your story of the way their ministry impacted your life and the life of your family, even years ago. Um, that would be a great gift um, at the year end to to any ministry out there. So I encourage you, maybe you've got a faith radio story. Maybe there's something that has happened here on faith radio that's inspired you to engage in your community in a different way. We'd love to have you share that story with us. You can always email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Um, John Cenas is a wonderful example for us of a person. I love, I love this quote where he just says, I just, I just drop everything. I just drop everything. Um, if I can offer a fantastic experience that I'm the first line, one to line up to do my part. So, um, I think about when we taught our kids back when they were little, stop, drop and roll. That's what John Cena is doing. He's stopping whatever he's doing. He's dropping everything else. And he's rolling forward with the opportunity to bless another person. So, Mark, can you give us the um, something little quote one more time? Yeah, I just uh, love this idea that Jesus taught us to do little things for little people with little thought of reward. And, Mm -hmm. Carmen, that's just exactly what the spirit of Christmas is all about. Uh, As you were thinking, I was thinking of uh, a couple of ministers in my church, especially when I was young in faith, and just how... Uh, our minister of worship and also our discipleship leader just poured into my life. And that same kind of spirit just kind of captured me a couple of days ago. And I just called them. They're now in their eighties. And we just had some really special conversation. Both of them are going through some hard times right now. Uh, One of them just had uh, a child diagnosed with a terminal illness. And, um, but just being able to talk to them and express gratitude for their investment in their life. And so uh, sometimes it's a ministry within your local church or the whole church is a, uh, on the whole is a great place to express your gratitude as well. Uh, a lot of ministers don't get that kind of feedback on a regular basis. All right. So Kathy Connor and um, Robert Morris and the Kennings and um, my sweet, uh, my sweet friend, Connie, I'm going to be reaching out because you have made a powerful difference in my life. And um, I don't know that I've ever adequately thanked you. So, um, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, And thank you for the fine work you guys are doing at the Denison Forum. I hope that in the new year, God grants us both the grace that we could continue these conversations. Thank you, Carmen. Looking forward to it. Hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas and all of our listeners as well. Thank you so much. You can find what we talked about today at denisonforum.com.
www.thejohncenasstory.org. Jill on the text line says, thank you so much for the John Cena story. He was the hero of one of my third graders who is now more than 20 years old. So thank you so much um, for that sweet testimony as well. We have another hour together here on Mornings with Carmen on this 20th of December. And um, yeah, um, we're going to continue having conversations about the things that are going on in our lives. I'm wondering if you might text me in the next um, in the next few minutes here about a ministry that has made a real impact in your life that maybe we could just give them a shout out on air today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hour two is up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.